This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Back to the Basics from Coach Stone Football. 2021 is the year to go back to the basics with Coach Stone Football Drill Manual Series. It has a combined 300-plus football drills and over 4,000 pages of football intelligence. All of the content within the Football Drill Manual Series builds on each other to offer consistent coaching while laying a foundation. Let's face it, 2020 was not easy for any of us to navigate sports. Whether or not you were fortunate enough to have a season or if your season was put on hold until this year, now is the time to go back to the basics to lay a foundation for 2021. Also new in 2021, the Coach Stone Football Coaching Magazine with four issues this year with some of the best podcasters in the business today. Also one Back to the Basics International Gridiron Football Magazine representing 12 different countries with each article not only in English, but also in the native language of the coach who wrote that article. For more information, go to www.coachstonefootball.com. Again, that's www.coachstonefootball.com. All Armchair Coaching Podcast episodes have been edited by Coach James Heath. Follow Coach James Heath on Twitter at jrockfordheath. And if you are interested in starting your own podcast, contact Coach Heath, and he will help you get set up with everything that you need for podcasting. Thank you, Coach Heath. I couldn't do it without you, brother. Welcome back to the Armchair Coaching Podcast. I am your co-host, Coach Sheffer, along with Coach uh, James Heath. And we are joined today by Coach Zach Grossi, the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach from Southern University in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Coach, welcome onto the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate you guys having me on and looking forward to talking some ball with you guys. Awesome, Coach. Now, the, the first question is one that we ask everyone who comes on the podcast. Uh, we want to know about your background. So, Take a little bit of time. Tell us about all, all the coaching stops you've made along the way. And basically, how did you end up where you are today? Sure. So I'm born and raised in Tampa, Tampa, Florida. I went to Tampa Jefferson High School and uh, I went to college at a Division II school in West Virginia, uh, Concord University. I played quarterback there and it was uh, it was a really, really good experience for me. Met a lot of great people met my wife, worked for some really or played for some really, really good coaches in uh, Garen Justice, who's the offensive line coach at the University of Miami, and Mike Keller, who is the he's uh, the head coach at Glenville State University. So I was able to, uh, you know, I, I was around good coaches from right from the start in college and my high school coaches as well. Uh, Mike Fenton um, coached coach me and coached the team about as hard as any coach that I've ever been around. So I was around some good coaches from the start, played at Concord, uh, it graduated from uh, from Concord in 2012. I actually had my, my senior year, two games into my senior year, I was in a car accident that ended my career. And uh, so my coaching career got started a little earlier than expected. And, and, and Garen Justice, the head coach, was was great to me. And, and, and I, I hung around the facility, you know, until I got my degree later that year. And, and right from there, I jumped into being a graduate assistant at Concord and was coaching the tight ends and learning, you know, learning, learning everything about the profession. And uh, and right after that first season where I was a graduate assistant, I got an entry level scouting job with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I worked in uh, I was a scouting assistant, worked for Jason Light, and uh, he was the general manager of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I was a scouting assistant and got to learn a ton there, uh, just everything about the NFL, how the, the, the inner workings of the NFL, um, doing a lot of grunt work in, in the scouting department. Um, the next year, I got promoted to uh, 
I was a pro scout, which I was doing advanced scouting reports for our, uh, for our upcoming opponents. Um, so I would, I would be a week ahead of the team that we were playing. And, and every Monday I would present to the coaching staff about the opponent that we were playing. And at the time, Dirk Cutter was the head coach there. Or he was the offensive coordinator. I'm sorry. And then the next year he became the head coach and, uh, and, and he, uh, he asked me to, to come over and be a part of his coaching staff. He thought it'd be a good fit and something that I certainly, you know, always wanted to, wanted to do is, is, is to get back into coaching. I, I enjoyed my time in scouting, but I, I really wanted to, to get back into coaching and, and coach Cutter gave me that opportunity. So I, I joined his coaching staff as his assistant to the head coach. And I got to really see, um, man, everything that goes into, being a head coach in the NFL, I got a front row seat right there. And, you know, that I, I was kind of his, you know, the, the, the person that, that was his voice and, and, and his connection to, to everybody else outside. And, you know, a lot of it is keeping people out of his office and keeping stuff off his desk. And so you got to see all the things that, that an NFL head coach goes through. So that was about, that role was about half, you know, doing some administrative stuff for him and about half quality control work. So I got, I got to, you know, get introduced to both sides there. And then the next year I became the offensive quality control um, and, and working with the quarterback. So, so that was, you know, another, another great learning experience working closely with Mike Bajakian and, and Todd Munkin was our offensive coordinator at the time. And uh, so got to work for a lot of good guys. I was the offensive quality control there for, for two years. And then in 20, after the 2018 season, we got let go and I went to Hampton University as a quarterback coach, really wanted to get my own room. And, you know, Hampton gave me a chance to, to, to go there and to get my own room and, and be the quarterback coach there. We had DeAndre Francois, who transferred from Florida State, very talented player, great kid that, that I, got to, I got to coach and I got to work with. And we had, a, we had a, a good staff and around some good young coaches there at Hampton. And then the opportunity came up at Southern to be the offensive coordinator. You know, and that's certainly certainly something that that I couldn't turn down at a at a place like Southern with the history, the tradition that it has, and they had, you know they they had a very strong team in the previous years, so I knew there would be some talent there and chance for me to to be a coordinator and a play caller. Couldn't turn it down. So, and uh, that's how I ended up here in Baton Rouge at Southern, and we we played this spring, and uh, you know we we went five and one. We did some good things, and looking forward to uh, looking forward to the fall. That's pretty awesome. Now we we haven't had a whole lot of coaches on the podcast. Actually, I'm not sure if we've had any coaches on the podcast who've had a, any NFL experience. So we're really interested in talking to you about that. And you mentioned scouting in the NFL uh, and and doing the grunt work. What goes into scouting in the NFL? Could you kind of tell us like the general rundown of what you'd have to do? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, scouting in the NFL is is very very intense and there's there's really two there's kind of two parts to a scouting department there's the the pro scouting department and the college scouting department and uh you know the the pro scouting department's kind of gonna you know they're gonna be more in the world of managing managing the current roster providing updated depth charts managing what's going on around the league what are rosters what's on rosters around the league what's available um, you know, there's only 53 guys allowed on an NFL roster during the season and you get 10 on the practice squad. So it is it is constantly that bottom, you know, bottom five, 
five, six, seven guys of the roster changes almost every week. So you got to, you got to have updated list, you know, ready list, available list, who's out there, who can we bring in? Um, you know, I think most NFL teams do workouts every Tuesday, you know, you work guys out and then you sign them and they practice Wednesday, the next day. So you got to have them, you got to have them ready to go. Um, you know, so that's kind of the pro, the pro scouting part of it is, is doing advanced reports on teams, scouting free agents, upcoming free agents, uh, and kind of what's going on in the league. Um, and then the college scouting side is kind of the, the stuff you see now, it, it, it's, it's a little bit more popular. It's getting media cover, you know, coverage, all the senior bowl, the combine, you see a lot of stuff there with, with scouts. And I tip my hat to college scouts because a lot of those guys work really, really hard and, and they work behind the scenes. They're away from their families, you know, dang near year round. They're on the road, pounding it hard, going from school to school, digging up, you know, talking to people, trying to find out, you know, you, you go into a school, you have to talk to the strength coach. You have to talk to the academic coordinator. You have to talk to the position coach, the head coach, and not everybody's going to give you information. So you, you've got to try to find, you're almost like a private investigator a little bit. Those college scouts are, you're, you're just trying to get good information on the players. So you can bring that back to, to, you know, to, to management and, and, and build a profile of the player to, so, so they can make the best, the best choice, you know, for the team. Um, but just a ton of attention to detail that goes into the work. I learned a lot from Jason Light, the general manager, and our director of player personnel, which is kind of like the number two in scouting, was John Robinson. He's the GM, vice president of the Tennessee Titans. So I work for I work for you know some really good guys in scouting. Learn about the NFL, uh, how contracts are structured. You know that that kind of the, the the football administration part of it. When you talk about structuring contract contracts, building a roster. Um, you know, when I got on the coaching staff in Tampa, kind of like the number one question that everybody would ask is, man, what's, you know, what did you learn in scouting? You know, what was the biggest thing you learned in scouting? And it's definitely, you know, looking at a roster from that, that top down view, you know, trying to build out future rosters, you know, and it's, it's interesting. It kind of has come full circle because everything I learned about team building roster management is, is now very, very relevant in college with the transfer portal, with all the name, image, and likeness, all the different, you know, kind of rules and, and changes that are going to the college game. That roster is changing every day. So, so managing your numbers, you know, how much, how much, you know, scholarships and, and, and capital you have allocated to each position. And, and it goes even deeper with your schemes that you run, you know, building, building teams and in, in, in colleges, recruiting NFL, it's, it's scouting, but you have to, you have to build your schemes to fit the players that you're trying to bring in. So I think that all ties in together. Um, you know, I know that was kind of all over the place, but that's really what I learned in scouting is how to evaluate players, things to look for critical factors for each position. Um, and just, just everything that goes into managing a roster, managing people, and uh, it was it was certainly a great experience for me to learn about the NFL and all the ins and outs and, and kind of get to really see behind the scenes of uh, of how the day to day operation goes, because because a lot of people don't really know how much goes into it. Now, there's a lot of uh, there's always been kind of a conversation about the difference between college and NFL and how it's a whole different world. 
and it's almost a different sport. But what you were mentioning there is that now the experience with scouting actually has a lot more relevance in college football today. Are there other experiences that you had in the NFL that have helped you and have translated well from the NFL to college? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I do think there's, there's some big differences between college and, and the NFL, but at the end of the day, it's a people business. It's relationship. It's a relationship business, building relationships with the people that you work with, treating people the right way that you work with, um, working hard, being, you know, having great attention to detail, having great discipline. Um, you know, I think that that's going to hold up in, in anything that you do and, and building relationships with the players, maximizing time with the players, you know, time in your meetings, how to structure meetings, how to be organized, um, you know, how to put how to put a process in place for a bunch of different things. I think I think, you know, the, the, the best people in the NFL are extremely organized and I think that holds up in any any business, any sport, you know. So I think there are some differences, but yeah, the, the things that that make football teams successful and and create a winning culture and, and equal wins are really the same in in the NFL and in college. And uh, you know, it's just sometimes it's a little bit different in college about about how you're getting to it, if that makes sense. I just thought of another question. Uh, in your time in the NFL, what were who were some of the absolute best players that people don't know about that you you had some time to spend around them? You know, I'm obviously I'm a big Jameis Winston fan. Uh, getting getting a, to work close with him and seeing his work ethic behind the scenes and how much he puts into it and how how passionate he is about people and his teammates. Um, I think he's a little bit underrated as a as a pro and as a person. Certainly, somebody that I I will root for forever after after working close with him. Uh, you talk about underrated players; it's kind of a big he's 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 a big deal now. But Chris Godwin was a receiver for us at the time. We knew we knew that he was a special player, and now he's he's really taken his game to the next level and become one of the one of the best players, uh, really one of the best receivers in the NFL, is as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's so many guys on an NFL roster that do the dirty work. You know, there's a, there's a ton of linemen, you know, that you have your headline players, the top guys that get all the recognition, but you know, the, the, the core of that roster, you know, from, you know, you say you've got five probably high profile, high paid guys. And then the, you know, the next 30 to 35 guys of that roster are glue guys. They're guys that are trying to make the roster, trying to, trying to stay in the NFL, trying to compete their butts off. And I think, I think, you know, those guys put a lot into, it, and there's a lot of pressure on those guys, a lot of pressure on them to support their families, you know? And, and I think one thing that I learned about the NFL players is NFL players are extremely vulnerable and extremely fragile at times because they know they can be cut at any minute and their contracts are not guaranteed. So I think that the people and the teams that are putting an emphasis on mental health and, and making sure, you know, it's, it's a good working environment when people are in the building and treating your players, you know, treating your players the right way with respect. I think that goes a long way because a lot of those guys um, are under a lot of pressure and a lot of stress. Yeah. The money is good, but, 
you know, they, they really, they really can be cut at any minute. So there's, there's a lot of pressure and a lot of stress for those, those guys in, in the middle of the roster where they're con- where they don't have signing bonuses where the contracts are guaranteed. Coach Heath, did you have any questions before we got into X's and O's? No. Well, yeah, I just kind of wanted to talk about like where you're at right now, coach. Um, you know, Southern, you talked about the history. What, what, what led you to, I mean, I'm sure, you know, being able to be offensive coordinator is great, but there's got to be something else. Usually there's something kind of something intrinsic. Sell me on Southern university. So the beauty of Southern university is there's so much to sell. Okay. We have three pro football hall of famers. Okay. We're top 10 in FCS in attendance every year. Um, we're going to play nationally televised games every year. The Bayou classic, uh, in New Orleans against against Grambling is one of the biggest games in college football. Um, just the, the 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 absolute love for Southern football here in Baton Rouge is huge, and the love for football in the South is huge. It is uh, it is really really special. And growing up in Florida, it was a chance for me to come back in the South from come back to the South in a place where people really really genuinely love football here in their bones. And uh, Southern has a huge following, a huge fan base. We travel, we play on the road. We're bringing 10, 15,000 fans with us. We're putting 30,000 in Mumford Stadium here when we play at home. Um, you just don't get that in FCS football, honestly. Even at some of the biggest FCS schools, you don't get that type of attendance. And, and, and you, you, you top this great football program, great tradition as a history of winning, putting players in the NFL, graduating their players. You have a great city like Baton Rouge and you, you add to that the best band in the land, you know, the, the dancing dolls, the pageantry that makes this thing so special. And until you get to experience it, you really don't understand what I'm talking about, but it is a special, special place. It's a special environment. I'm excited that we're going to be at full capacity for our, for our games in the fall. We have a great home schedule. I know that we're going to pack that thing out. Um, and it, and Southern is, is, is trending up just, just the new buildings that we're building on campus. You know, the, the coaching staff that, that our head coach, coach Rollins has put together. Uh, we have tons of, tons of experience, tons of NFL experience, tons of, you know, FBS college experience. We've got great players. You know, we have a great culture. We have a a very disciplined team, a very disciplined culture. When you recruit, it's so easy to sell because it really is a special place. All the people here at Southern are really what make it special from, you know, our equipment guy that's been here for 30 plus years and he's seen everything. And and, and he just, you talk to him before the games and you can tell that it's in his bones, you know, these, these rivalries, these big classic games, um, you know, from our academic team, from our, our administration, we have great leadership here at Southern university with our athletic director, Coach Banks and, and President Belton and our head coach, Jason Rollins. I mean, it really is a special place from top to bottom in a great city in a football crazed state like Louisiana. So it, it, it really is a, a fun place to sell in recruiting. And I think that it, it, with all the history and tradition, the best is yet to come. We have a really, really good team coming back this fall. We've got some great young players. And like I said, some of the things that we're doing, um, you know, we, we think this could be the, the greatest decade of Southern football here here coming up. Yeah, it's awesome. I'm from Ohio, so when you say the best band in the land, of course, 
my our Ohio listeners and, and coaches, they're going to sit there and try to point. It's different. So don't go there because we have a military band at the Ohio State University. This band is a band. And the things that they do, you're right. It's amazing. They take that real serious down there, maybe as much as football. You know, it's part of the, the experience. But, yeah, it's a, it's a totally different experience whenever you get there. And it's you said, you know, FCS doesn't have that. Yeah, absolutely. It's totally, totally different. But, uh, one, I, you know, the one last thing I have to ask you about Southern – so what was it like having the season in the spring? What kind of adjustments did you have to make in order to be successful? Yeah, a lot, a lot of adjustments. Just, just having a training camp in January, um, just from a, a, a weather standpoint, was different. You know, having and, – and we're in the south. I couldn't imagine the FCS teams that were north of us that played, but, but we lost a week in training camp to ice – you know, to, to, to ice, you know, when, when Baton Rouge ices, it's not like, uh, it's not like when it, when it snows in Ohio, we don't have, we don't have the salt trucks and everything that hit the ground running, man. No, we just shut it all down until it melts. So just, just things like that. And then everything going on with COVID and the restrictions on meetings and, you know, the, 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 the offense has to get dressed in the locker room and then the defense has to get dressed and, and all the things that everybody went through, you know, it's just so, that was so different. Um, you know, the zoom meetings and, and just all the restrictions on that, you really did learn. It's, it's such, it's adapt or die. It always is in, in this game and in this sport, but there was certainly a, a lot thrown at us. The, the, I think you always try to look at the positives, you know, in the spring one, we were the only show in town. We played, we played a game on ESPN and we played a game on NBC you know, what more could you ask for from an exposure standpoint? And thank God for us, we won both of those games. So that was a lot. That was really, really good, you know, uh, exposure for Southern. And um, I think people from, you know, people from all over that may not tune into a Southern game normally really got to see what a special team this is and, and, and piqued their interest a little bit, which is a good thing. Um, for me personally, I got to I had never called a play in my life. I'd certainly thought about it for 30 years. But, you know, just getting the experience of calling plays, going through your process, going through a game plan process night before the game, you know, how do you structure it? How do you, you know, what are you, where do your eyes go on the call sheet, you know, to, to, to spitting it out, to how you're going to change tempos, to, to how you want to attack people, just going through all that, getting a five-game run of that for me personally and our offensive staff. Like it was the first time a lot of us were working together. So getting to go through that in the spring was was unbelievably helpful getting to know the players, getting to know my quarterbacks better. Um, I think there were so many, so many positives from playing in the spring. I, you know, there were some people that didn't, didn't want to play in the spring. I'm, I'm, I was not one of them. I wanted, I wanted to go get it. And I'm certainly glad we did because I think we all learned a lot. I know I learned a lot and, uh, and it was, it was very beneficial for, for myself and for our football team. Yeah, I think, uh, the silver lining to the spring COVID season, we had, we had a very similar situation. We had a spring season in Virginia. I think it uh, challenged coaches to be better at just about everything. It challenged us to be better at organization and challenged us to be better at enforcing rules and making sure that kids are following the protocols. It also challenged us to, uh, Hey, we have a game in two weeks and we don't have a scrimmage. All right, we got to get going, you know? And um, I think it, 
really challenge everyone to be just a little bit better. And so I think if we can all take that from that season onto our next couple of seasons, um, weirdly enough, it might make a better difference. So, um, all right, uh, listeners, we're going to take a quick break for a message from the sponsors. This episode is brought to you in part by Second Skull. Second Skull is a protective headgear company focused on helping to keep athletes safe and to help keep athletes on the field participating in the sports that they love. Their products are patented, tested, and proven to reduce direct and rotational impacts to the head. Their technology is trusted by several athletic organizations and the United States military. Their pro cap is designed with the grant from the National Football League. This protective skull cap is the ultimate in thin, lightweight, and breathable protection. The pro cap is comparable to other skull caps that do not offer such protection, measuring at just two millimeters thick and weighing less than 2.4 ounces. The pro cap improves protection for all players when worn under their helmet and is perfect for football, baseball, hockey, and lacrosse. Their pro band is designed in collaboration with professional players and clubs in Spain. This protective headband provides superior protection with an aesthetic and athletic look. The pro band has a unique five panel construction with a reinforced forehead panel to deliver a natural feel and ultimate ball control at just four millimeters thick and a weight of 1.4 ounces. The pro band provides protection for all players in non-helmeted sports and activities and is ideal for soccer athletes. Listeners of the armchair coaching podcast can go to secondskull.com and save 20% on any products purchased from that website with the discount code armchair. That's A-R-M-C-H-A-I-R in all caps. This episode is brought to you in part by High and Tight Footballs. High and Tight Footballs are the world's only self-contained, pressure-measuring, multi-sensory, instant, audible feedback training footballs on the market. They have been used by NFL Hall of Fame players, NFL coaches, collegiate All-Americans, and players at all levels. Listeners of the Armchair Coaching Podcast can actually receive a 10% discount on any products purchased from High and Tight by using the discount link below in the description and by using the discount code ACP. Make sure you type in ACP at checkout to get a 10% discount on any items purchased from highandtight.com. This episode was brought to you in part by Knack Bags. Knack was created to make it easier for multitasking mobile professionals to get from point A to point B without lugging a bunch of bags. Their multi-purpose products combine the best features of a stylish daily use computer backpacks with a patent pending hidden compartment that you can easily access. Expand and pack like a suitcase whenever you need extra space for travel, the gym, or anywhere your life takes you. You can find Knack products exclusively at knackbags.com. Listeners of the Armchair Coaching Podcast can check the description of this episode below to find a special link to go to purchase Knack products. I'd like to thank our new sponsor, Launchpad Kickoff Tee, for joining us here on the Armchair Coaching Podcast family. Coaches, are you looking for that competitive edge, but you might not be paying attention to the kickoff game? Well, This is the company for you. I'd like you to go check them out. I have one sitting right here in my hand. It's incredibly unique. It's got a very large surface area and incredibly flexible wings. And so what this does for you here, it gives you extreme flexibility with how you want to kick off. Do you want to use the patented forward lean 
Well, if you don't know what that is, go ahead and check out their website. You can do just about anything you want. You can dial up different types of squib kicks just with the different angles. You can literally do just about anything with this. And the nice thing is they send you this piece of paper here that goes with diagrams that show you all the different angles and techniques that they've discovered so far. And they are incredibly helpful on their website. I highly recommend you check them out. If you're interested, do me a favor. I want you to go to launchpadkickoftcom slash ACP. Make sure you add the slash ACP. And if you're interested in buying one, if you go to this specific website, you can find the link, the, the link in the description below, you actually get a discount. You're going to get a 10% discount just from using the, the Armchair Coaching Podcast link. If you want to buy one, if you want to buy two, that's a savings of 25%. And if you buy three, you're actually going to get one for free. All right. So those are some huge deals that you're going to get there. So do us a huge favor. Check out our sponsor at Launchpad Kickoff Tea. Make sure that you go to this specific site, launchpadkickofftea.com slash ACP. Launchpadkickofftea.com slash ACP. On the kickoff, it's not like all the other kickoff teas that you have. It's incredibly unique. Okay, we are back with Coach Zach Grossi, the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at Southern University in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, coach, you mentioned when you filled out our form that, you know, you've, you've spent some time at Hampton and now you're at Southern, um, when, and you implemented a pro style passing attack. And in the form, you say it's responsible for school records in, uh, yards, completions, and touchdowns. Um, you know, I'm sure you don't want to give too much away, <laughs> uh, scheme wise, but could you kind of describe what do you mean by a pro style passing attack? Yeah. Um, you know, basically when I was in, uh, when I was in Tampa, we, in 2018, we had a really, really good passing game. We had really good receivers. We had good quarterbacks and we had a good system. So when I got to Hampton, uh, the offensive coordinator was, was a guy named Brian white. And, um, you know, he was great to me and he allowed, he allowed, you know, me and along with the rest of our staff to kind of implement a little bit of some things we did in Tampa, some of some of those pro style concepts and uh, just, you know, just just adding that to to what he had, what he had done there at Hampton the year previous. And just like Hampton, uh, we had great receivers at Hampton, just like we did in Tampa. So that made that made it very easy. But I think you just you know, when you say the, the, the word pro style, I mean, you just think about uh, a flexibility in, in creating matchups, not being rigid in, in how you deploy your skill. I think about being able to move your best players around, play, play a guy, you know, let's just take like Jadakiss Bonds was our best receiver at Hampton. He, he was the FCS leading receiver, I believe. I think he had, I think he led the, the country in touchdowns that year. You know, I think just just lining him up as number one to the field, you know, number one to the boundary, putting him in the slot, handing him jet sweeps, stacking him, getting him in stacks and bunches so so people can't press him, just moving guys around and getting creative and and how you how you deploy your your skill players and how you present your formations and your sets is kind of that that pro style, um, you know, that pro style, you know, method and 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 kind of what we brought there and like I said it made it it made it good that we had uh you know that we had good players we had a good quarterback and we had really really good receivers but I think and then when we got to Southern 
you know, we took that and just, just, you know, took it to, took it to another level when it comes to just being creative, being creative in your formations, creative in your sets and, and, and your presentations is the word that I like to use. You know, how, how are you presenting, you know, these, these, these sets to the defense. And I think that's something that we look at each week, you know, we're not necessarily like, we're like, we're never going to be in a week of a game plan, like how we like, what new play are we going to draw? We're not drawing up new plays. We're just trying to find creative ways to run our stuff, you know? And I think that's where you get into, you have to have a formation system that's flexible. You have to have a motion system that allows you to bring guys, you know, in, in both directions, bring guys around. And, you know, I think one thing when you when you look at the way football is going in general with the college and the NFL, it's a, there's a lot of eye candy, you know, and I love talking to defensive coaches. I talk to our defensive coaches a lot and they say, man, when you guys do that motion or or, you know, you, you hop the back and then here comes jet sweep from the other side. Like that gives us a lot of trouble. You know, that's very easy for us to, to do that. You know, that doesn't that's not very expensive for us to put in. And it's getting defenses into their checks, attacking their rules, which is something that we're always trying to do. But I think it's it's really, you know, plays are plays. It's not everybody essentially, you know, runs forms of, you know, whatever, How, however you attack people, plays are plays. But but when you get into those different formations and different sets, you know, and how you how you present present your 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 offense to guys I think you can really create some some miss first of all you can create mismatches getting your best players on maybe the defense's weakest players you know by being able to move guys around and then you're attacking their rules you know with with formations and motions that may be a little bit unique or different than you've shown on tape so you mentioned uh being multiple and flexible in your formations and that's something that I'm interested in um because I really like the idea of being very multiple in formations. Um, and a question that I like to ask people who talk formations are, uh, do you guys come, when you come up with new formations, do you come up with like a new name for each formation that you have, or is it more towards um, you have a base formation and then you have tags that you can make different formations out of. So how do you come up with your formations? Yeah. You know, for us, we have, we have both ways. We have like base formations and then you have a tag. If you want to bring, bring one receiver on one side in a close split, you know, like two, two by two, you say tag it with close, double right, close, double left, close. That'll bring one guy close, you know? And then if it's something that you're going to use a lot, to, and I'm, I'm always trying to save words, as you guys know, because when you add a word, you got to add a signal. So if it's something that we're going to use a lot, um, then we're just going to we're just going to create a new formation. Like one thing that we really did that, that I liked and we used it a lot. Like, let's just say we're in two by two with the, the tight end off the ball. Right. And we're going to bring the H which the H is our move guy. OK, the H is our slot. Let's say we're going to bring him in jet motion. So for us, that would be duo right H jet. Okay. So that's something we know we're going to have in every game plan. So we just call that rocket. Like for us, we just say rocket equals duo right H jet. So now you say rocket instead of saying duo right H jet, you know, 13, which is a run for us. We just say rocket 13. Like, so anytime, you know, you create, you know, like that's something we know we're going to use. So we put that in a, in a, in it's in a, you know, kind of like a one word, one word type of call, you know, with our empty, we build in 
our empty formations, we build the protection into the formation. So we don't have to say, you know, you don't have to say the protection. Little things like that, I think, and, and you know, you're, you're creating kind of new formations, but you're limiting your words, you know, because we've all been in, in systems where it's, you know, west right out, you know, shorter, you know, and there, there's a million tags before you even get to the play call. And, and that's certainly not what we want to do. And the way the way our players are now with Twitter and Facebook and everything is so instant. You only get 160 characters. So we're always trying to come up with one word plays, one word families. How do we how do we limit word and signals and things that they've got to learn? Because that's just how they think now. And, you know, I think so. So, you know, I hope that kind of answers your question. But, you know, that that's kind of how we do it. We have formation tags. And then if it's something that we're going to do a lot, we'll give it its own its own family, its own its own word. Coach, how do you use tempo? How, how important is tempo for you? Are you going to be set or how many different tempos do you do you have? Yeah. So that's a great question. It's a great question because I've been a part. I've been a part when I was in college in uh, God, I guess it was like. 2010, 2009, 2010, we were like super fast tempo uh, under Mike Keller and like nobody was doing it. You know what I mean? Like we were, we were the outcasts, like, like nobody was doing it. It was such an advantage and now everybody's doing it. Um, You know, so it's to answer your question, the biggest thing that we try to do here at Southern is we try to control the tempo by being able to change it whenever we want. So we base out of a no huddle, like that's that's the base for us. No huddle, but not necessarily a fast break pace. Okay, so that's like if we just if we just are, are playing in a game, that's the way our kids will operate. From the play ends, they're immediately looking to the sideline. They get the signal. They line up in the formation, and then they look and they get the play. Um, without giving too much away, that's not that's not a big deal. So that's the base way we play. Then we've got our fastball plays, attack plays, which which come in. You know, we have them in uh, like see like families of words. You know, we have the Trojan horse package, which is Achilles and and Trojan and Spartan. You know, like we we try to package them in 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 words that make it easy for our kids to remember. So we have like these fastball plays that when we want to tempo you, bam, we're up on the ball, one word call, we're snapping it. A lot of them are one-way plays. A lot of them are very, very, very easy, quick plays that we can get to. And then we have, you know, the the ability to what we call as a sugar huddle. We get in a huddle and we speed break the huddle. So the receivers will go first, um, get lined up real quick, O-line, quick break, snaps around, no mic points. No, no change in cadence, no change in play, no change in ID, and we're rolling. So I think I think the biggest thing, tempo for us, is we have different tempos that we operate at, and we try to keep the defense, you know, off guard with with how we're going to use our tempos. And uh, I, I stole something from from a friend of mine, he's the offensive coordinator at Slippery Rock, and he said, game plan your tempos uh, differently. You know, I think everybody wants a tempo after a big play. But if you always tempo after a big play, the defense, the defensive coordinator that you're playing that week is going to expect it. So change when you tempo. Sometimes you tempo on second and long. You know, like 
one thing you know that we do is uh, if a team puts dime personnel out there in third and extra long or third long, you're getting those third and 10 teams want to put dime out there and give you all those crazy blitzes and overload blitzes and stuff that keeps you up all night thinking about them sacking your quarterback. You go fast, you keep the same personnel on the field. We go fast with one of our tempo plays and now we're either catching them changing or we're, we're, we're not allowing them to get into their third and long package and, you know, potentially keeping them in a base call. So using tempo for us, we like to we like to change it. We look at it like using different pitches, you know, different pitches in, uh, you know, in, in just another another weapon. We use tempo as a weapon, but we are not a tempo team that's going to go fast all the time. Uh, we try to we try to change it up and keep the defense off guard. I feel like that's the the national trend right now is we're going to use tempo, but not lightning fast, you know. Back, I don't know, 10, 10 years ago, it was Oregon. Everyone was enamored by how fast Oregon was going. And so everyone's trying to snap the ball every 12 seconds. And then it just like people weren't very good at it or I don't know what happened. It just kind of slowed down. <laughs> um, no, you're you're exactly right. And it puts it just puts a lot of stress on your defense. It puts a lot of stress on your offense as well. Um you know, you're getting in if you're going to be a tempo team all the time, which people do it and teams are teams are great at it. But it puts a lot of stress on all your players. And uh, and that's just not that's not that's not how we're built to win here at Southern. So you're a spread offense that's spread mainly to run the ball, which I think is a very um, global sentiment about the spread offense. Uh, there's kind of a misconception that people go to spread to throw the ball. Uh, but a lot of times we're doing it so we can run the ball. Uh, and I like the fact that you mentioned that you also have quarterback runs. Um, and I was interested in hearing what are some of your, you know, again, you don't have to give away too much. Uh, what are some of your favorite quarterback runs? You know, it's interesting because like the, where I was, you know, come up in the profession and where I was raised, I was raised under guys that go fast and throw it. You know what I mean? Like that's that's how that's how I was raised. And uh, I've never been ever in a QB run system. I've never been anywhere. I certainly was not a quarterback that would run, you know, in the NFL, you're not going to run your quarterback. And we certainly weren't going to run Jameis Winston or, or Ryan Fitzpatrick. So I had no experience with the quarterback run game. And I get here and we have this this super dynamic quarterback in Ladarius Skelton. You know, he's one of the best players in the league. You know, if you if you polled all the coaches in the SWAC and they had to pull the guy that, you know, that's the hardest to get down with the ball, I guarantee he'd be in the he'd, he'd be up in the, in the top. So, you know, it, it was kind of fun to go down, you know, a rabbit hole. And it, with COVID, we had so much time to study because we didn't play in the fall. So I was able to study a lot of QB run stuff um, to get to get to your question. Um, I really like bash concepts. You know, I really, you know, we, we've gone down a road with bash. Um, you don't have to install new schemes, you know, with, with, with running bash. It allows you to get the ball in the perimeter uh, very quickly and it, it protects your uh, running back alignments. You know, you're able to you got the run going the opposite way with, and, and the running backs running like essentially a speed sweep, you know, coming out the other way. We do a lot of jet motion, so we tie it in with our jet motion like we kind of we kind of have a package of plays that we, uh, 
you know, like we'll, we'll run jet motion, we'll run power read and we'll run bash back the other way. So like, that's kind of, that's kind of a, a, of a package of plays. We're going to package those plays in different formations and sets in each game. So I love bash. I really like um, quarterback runs where you're doing like a, um, like a, like a kickstart motion with the running back. So you, you kick the running back right before you snap the ball out to the field and you read the mic and then, you know, too high, everybody's, everybody's in too high, a lot of quarters, you read that mic. If he stays in the box, you shoot that ball to the back and you should have numbers to the, you know, to the, to the field. And if he runs, then, then you got a quarterback run called and we'll run that with our zones. We'll run it with gap schemes. Um, you know, we had some success in the spring with uh, GT bash, you know, with our, with our GT, our GT bash and, and getting any time, you know, you're going to run the quarterback and you get that full flow action from the backfield. That was really good for us. Like, let's say we got a jet sweep runner coming and the running back leading for him out to the field. You know, all those, the, the linebackers are seeing, you know, the, the, the running back full flow, the jet sweep going one way. And then we've got GT bash going back the other way. So we had some explosive runs on that. Um, but those are like when I'm game planning and, and looking at it, those are probably the the main ones that that I like. I'm trying to build ways to kick that that back to the field and put put defenders in conflict and give the quarterback an out if it's not a, a good box. And, uh, you know, and then and then bash concepts, man, that was that was really good to study and studying people that uh, that 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 go that get into the bash world a little bit. And and we had some success with it. I, the one thing we don't run is draws. I pr- and that's that's kind of something we need to get to. So, something I was thinking of when you're teaching the quarterbacks on those read plays, um, are you? I guess it depends on the quarterback's skill set. How how do you teach it? Do you teach it? Okay, you're going to give it unless you see this, or you're going to run it unless you see that. Like, which one do you teach first? You know, I think it's a little specific to the play. You know, there there's some plays like I'll tell I'll tell our quarterback like, hey, look, if I call this, I'm calling this to hand the ball off. You know, sometimes he still pulls it and a lot of times he makes he makes yards. But, you know, like if we're running inside zone with a tight end backside blocking the defensive end, that's a high percentage give play. You know, but like we call bash or or something like that. He knows like, hey. He's probably calling. He knows if I call bash, he knows I'm calling this because I think the Q run is available. Um, you know, so I think it's a little bit different. I think it's a little bit based on the type of play. We do a lot of stuff with our tight ends, arcing them off the backside, bluffing defensive ends. We do some a lot of, you know, slicers and just trying to trying to put those guys put those defensive end, give them a lot of stuff to think about. So to answer your question, I would say it's specific to each play. There's I think he knows kind of by the play we install it like, hey, look, this is this is going to be a high percentage handoff play or, you know, he knows, hey, this is this is a play where where we're thinking you can pull this and have, you know, advantageous numbers. You know, hopefully no one's standing behind. Hopefully no one's standing there when you pull it. Coach Heath, do you have any questions? No, I again, you know, I think that we can talk about. A lot of the same things, but it's uh, but it's different. And that's the thing that I, I find fascinating is, you know, we've had di- different uh, guests on, and you know, it's 
really we're talking about the same things, but it's just a, a different flavor. That's the thing that's great about football, especially offensive football right now. You know, uh, guys are taking it, you know, taking offense and they're slicing and dicing it to, to what fits them. You know, not everyone wants to do the quarterback run. Some people they just want to have a bunch of gunslingers out there, you know, and throwing it. And that's fine. But, um, you know, the, to me, I love a good run game. Uh, you know, being a running backs coach, whenever I came in, I just love to see the running game. And I think that – and this is actually my next question, Coach. With your backs – they have a little bit more blocking responsibility in the, the Q game um, and, and then selling that. Is there something specifically you as an offensive coordinator are telling um, your, your running backs that help sell the quarterback runs? Yeah, you know, you're, that's a great point. And if you are going to run the quarterbacks, your backs, your backs do have to be involved in blocking and they got to be willing blockers and make big blocks. And, and I think you just you 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 tie that into winning and you tie that into having success and, you know, telling those guys that every time we hand it to you, there's a lot of people blocking for you. And if, if we're going to run the quarterback and we got something designed, you know, for the quarterback to be the primary runner, you got to you got to block just like those guys block for you. And, 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 you know, it takes it takes 11 to be a good running offense. It takes all 11. We know that receivers got to block. And at times running backs got to block. So, yeah, I would say, you know, we, we ask those guys to block a lot. We ask them to block in line, to lead up on linebackers. They block a lot for our jet sweep runner where you're, where you're going out and blocking guys on the edge in the perimeter. And they certainly take some, some big hits, but, but we love those guys up and make sure that, you know, you show them, you show them in a, in a, in a unit meeting, in an offensive meeting. Hey, look guys, this is, this is our starting running back making a really unselfish play here. You know, a really unselfish play, digging this guy out so so we can so we can get the get the first down or get the touchdown. So I think I think you you tie it into to the team aspect of, of how we play. And that's the beauty of of our team here at Southern and how we play and 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 the players that we have, the culture that we have, like, you know, that that's stuff that that I will I'll I'll touch on that, but that's not something that's gonna come up here. We have really unselfish players. We got a really good culture, and all our players really care about is winning. And you know they've won they've won a lot before I've got here, and we we had some success in the spring, and hopefully we could take this thing to the next level in the fall. But but yeah, you're you're exactly right. Those running backs got to be willing blockers if you're going to run the quarterback. Coach, I, one last question here, I guess you know for you, and we'll get into kind of the game planning and everything like that. Maybe kind of transition into that, but. I'm curious, you made a comment earlier, using defensive rules against them. What kinds of things do you, are you looking for? Um, like maybe your first couple calls of the game, just to check that your your scouting was right as far as what their defensive rules are. I mean, do you have any kind of uh, something that you have set down that you want to run play A or B just to go ahead and make sure that your scouting was correct and sound? You know, that that's – that's interesting because, you know, you're talking about the opening script and I, I think a lot about that. Obviously we all do, we all, you know, just absolutely overanalyze our opening script. And uh, you know, the, the biggest thing that we try to accomplish that I try to accomplish is I want the defense running to open the game. I want them running side to side. I want them running down the field. Um, you know, we're, we're always going to take a shot. We're always going to have perimeter runs. We may get the quarterback. We may sprint out. 
I want their heart rates up as fast as I could possibly get them up in, in our opening script. That's something that, that we did this year. Um, and we really, really, we, we had success with it on our opening drives. I think we, I think in the five games, I think we scored, I want to say on, on four of the five opening drives doing that, getting guys running everywhere, getting, getting into their checks. Like, like we, we run a lot of motion anyways, you know, like, so we're, we're going to try to get right away to figure out if they've got their motion adjustments down. Like, do they, have they prepared for, for our motions and how we're going to deploy our players and our formations and our sets? Like, how are they going to play jet motion is a big thing for us. We're always going to have a jet motion in our opening script. Like, okay, are they going to run with it in a man coverage situation? Are they going to rock and roll? Or are they going to bump in? You know, like, like okay, is it what they've shown on tape or not? Um, I'm going to, I want to mix personnel. I want to mix tempo just, just to get into their call sheet. I thought you said it best. Like is what you prepared for during the week? Is that going to hold up? Are your percentages going to hold up? You know, and you, you don't really know, but, but you're going to have an idea and, and in college defenses are very multiple and flexible. Like teams will come out, you know, you'll see even all week, you know, in the game plan, they'll come out and play in odd and, and, it's, you know, so, so you're going to want to, you know, you want the biggest thing that I'm trying to do with our opening script is get those guys running as much as I can running side to side, running, chasing the ball vertically and formations, motions, trying to see, trying to see if, if what we saw on tape is going to hold up, don't really have a specific formation or, or, or motion. Like, you know what I mean? I don't have anything specific that we're going to do in every game. But those things I'm always going to try to have in the opening script, get those guys on their heels a little bit, make them communicate, you know, see if they're if they're willing to talk and, and, and see if we can if we can get them into their checks and, and attack their rules right away. So that that question does lead us into the game planning questions that we had for you. Um, specifically game planning each week when you're looking at your opponent's defense on, on scout film, um, what exactly are you looking for in their defense to attack? And then on top of that, um, in your quarterback room, when you're in your meeting room, what are you showing and what are you sharing with your quarterbacks? Are you showing them everything or are you kind of breaking it down into little pieces to share with them? Another, another great question. So, the first thing, like early in the week, we're trying to we're trying to just figure out the defense's base calls, you know, like like what are their base rules? And we have a checklist of things we look for, um, you know, obviously not going to give everything away. But like an example would be like, are they a box or a spill team to split flow? Like that's just one thing of a checklist we're always going to have like that's something we're going to look for. And that's going to depend on now, how are we going to attack them? We're going to, we're going to run our plays that attack defensive ends that are going to box everything in. Or if they're a spill team, we're going to pull up our plays that, that attack it that way. But, but the just figuring out those defensive rules, I think we don't try to rush getting plays on the board. We don't, we, we, we don't rush getting plays on the call sheet because we, you know, I'll never forget when I was, when you're a quality control in the NFL, you, you do the breakdowns, you know, and I did the hundred, a hundred percent of the breakdowns and Dirk Cutter, when he, when I got the quality control job, he said, look, 
as soon as we're done meeting, I want you to walk down to the defensive coordinator's office and I want you to ask him for one of his call sheets. And I said, all right. He said, and I want you to see how little there is on there. And, you know, defensive coordinators don't have a lot of calls. So we're trying to, we're trying to figure out what is the form, you know, how are they formation checking this call? Cause what, whatever they're calling, it's got to hold up against every formation or they're going to have a base check, you know? So we're looking for like something we say is we're looking for always and nevers, you know, Hey, when we get in this formation, when we trade the tight end and then we bring the, we bring the Z over, they're always going to check to three, you know, they're always going to check to this. So you're, you're trying to figure out those base rules and that will depend on how we, how we attack the defense schematically. Now, the next part of that is the personnel. How are they built? What's the strength of their defense? Are they a team that's big, physical up front, man, like you're not going to run the ball downhill on them. Okay. Then we got to get the ball on the edge. We got to get the ball on the edge. We got to get the ball in space. Um, you know, we, we have to, we have to make these big guys run side to side, you know, are they a speed defense? Are they, are they a nickel defense? Are they a defense that's going to play with five DBs, no matter what personnel you're in, you know, like, like that's attack. So, so you're attacking their scheme and we're, we're trying to figure out their personnel, how they're built structurally, you know, three, four teams are going to have bigger D linemen, you know, four two five teams are going to want more speed on the field for the most part, you know, are they a man coverage team, a zone coverage team? So that a lot of that comes back to, to scouting, you know, even just, just how is this defense built structurally What's their personnel like? What are their strengths and weaknesses? Who are they trying to be? Are they trying to be a physical press defense? You know, are they trying to be an execution defense or are they trying to be a scheme defense and cause disruption? You know, we, those, those are kind of the two, the two different defenses that, that exist. Are they going to line up like British military and just try to try to, you know, have their rules hold up and, and, and let you let you know what they're in. Are they going to be a three down with a million fronts, pressures, coverages coming at you everywhere? So so you look at how defenses are built, you look at their personnel. And so that's where we start, you know, in, in developing a plan on how we're going to attack their personnel and how we're going to attack their, uh, you know, their rules, attack their schemes. And that's that's the biggest thing. The word is rules. You're trying to you're trying to attack their rules more than anything. I like that. I, I, I took a couple things, a couple notes down here while you were talking about that. Um, I like that, like the idea of the, the always or never. So that's a good, that's a good one to talk about there. Um, your weekly schedule. So you just mentioned game planning, looking at watching the, the scout and uh, what you're looking for. Now, how do you guys attack the week? Like, can you give us a rundown of like the typical game week at Southern? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So for us, we were, we were a Sunday off team, you know, our, our players were off on Sunday. So we'd get right in there in the morning and you get the game graded and put that game to bed as fast as you can. I'm not a big game grade guy. Look, did we win or did we lose? Everybody knows who played well and who didn't play well. Uh, let's, let's make the, let's make the corrections and go. So we always right from the previous game, we try to, we, we have a little, a little sheet that we fill out. Did we have any uh, errors in our process? Did we have any schematical errors? Did they do something we weren't ready for? Did we maybe not have enough of this? 
when we when we needed a little more of this. So that's something we ask ourselves right away. And we got to get that corrected right away if we have an error in our process. So we'll do that on Sunday. Then we'll dive right in. We'll dive right in to take cut ups are already done. Everything's done. Um, we'll watch we'll watch uh, probably two or three games as an offensive staff. And then just to get a general idea of, of personnel, how's this defense built, um, you know, like we talked about, just just general thoughts. Our, our graduate assistant does a great job. He'll give us a little report, um, you know, just on an overview of, of structure, you know, uh, their highest percentages. We have a thing called game records. Do they have any game records? We need to know that right away. If they've got an end we can't block, if they've got a corner that we can't beat, we got to know that stuff right away. Then we'll break up and go individual and we'll get, you know, once I watch those games as an offensive staff, I get right to my cut-ups, um, you know, right, right to cut up Sunday night, trying to, trying to start building that run game, run down game plan, uh, plan which for us is first and second down, um, first and 10 and second and, and one to six. So you try to start building that plan, seeing who they are and run downs and base downs. <clears throat> and then after a while I go down, and uh, before we get too much into the plan, and I go down and I see our defensive staff, and I, I ask them, all right, how, how is the offense that we're getting ready to play? You know, because we're going to tailor our game plan a little bit, because uh, at the end of the day, it's about winning as a team. You know, it's not about, you know, you, you talk about tempo and stuff like that. If, if, the de- if our defensive coaches say, man, this is, a, this is the best offense we'll play in 10 years, you know, we better plan on scoring some, some points and going fast and, and knowing that it's potentially – you know, you're, you're whatever you're averaging, you need to be above that, you know, potentially to win this game. You just got to be honest with yourself. Or if they're a triple option team that we're playing against, you know, you're going to have less possessions. Are they a ball control offense? You could have potentially less possessions. So I'm always going to meet with our defensive staff real quick and just get a kind of a snapshot of the offense that we're playing against. So we don't do anything to jeopardize the team success. So trying to put that run now game plan together Sunday night, um, you know, sometimes that thing goes late, get in there early Monday morning. Um, and, and we, we start putting our ideas on the board. Uh, you know, we have it, we have it by situation, you know, we have it by, we have it by situation. And for us, it's, it's rundowns. Like I said, first and 10 second and, and one to six, we have second and long, which is second and seven plus second and short is, or, I'm sorry, third and short is third and one to two. Uh, third medium is third and three to five. Third and long is third and six to nine. Third and extra long is third and ten plus. So we got that up on our board, and and then we everybody everybody puts their ideas ideas up on the board, and we whittle that thing down until we get to uh, till we get to our numbers. And for us, you know, this goes back to 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 what I learned from Dirk Cutter and how to structure a game plan, um, how to it, it really traces back to the Brian Billick you know, game plan structure. We've all read that book, how to, how to set up an offensive game plan. That's what we use in Tampa. And that's what we use here. I really think it's a good game plan system. It's all based on percentages, you know, that, that those situations are going to come up in a game. I think in college, it needs to be a little more flexible than in the NFL because you're going to see uh, different teams where in NFL, everybody kind of runs the same stuff essentially, you know, it's just kind of what you're telling the quarterback and, 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 and a little bit of differences, but in college, like I said, it could be a triple option game. It could, you could be playing a money game where you're, you know, if we're, if we're going into Tuscaloosa 
I better have probably some more third and long calls, you know, where, where if it's a game where we know we're going to be able to run it, you know, you may carry a little bit more third and short calls. But for the most part, those numbers are going to hold up. We're going to, we're going to get to those numbers, 15, 15 runs and 15 passes and run downs. And we're going to carry five, five passes and second along or five runs. So, so we'll get that done. And, and, and we'll carry, I'm sorry, we'll carry five plays in each of our third down categories as well. So we'll get that all done Monday night. Uh, you know, Monday is a long day, but we try to get first and second down right away. The NFL week is very front loaded. Um, and, and that's just the, that's the process that we use. We practice in the morning here. So you don't have the luxury of Tuesday, all day Tuesday, you know, getting, you know, you know, kind of kind of finishing that first and second third down game plan like we got to get that open field game plan done because we got to practice it Tuesday so we get that thing done uh, Monday night get it scripted get it carded get it ready for practice the next day practice Tuesday morning um, you know as soon as we as soon as we come off the field we'll have a quick staff meeting um, and then we'll get right in there watch watch the practice film make corrections throw stuff out Tuesday never goes as as well as you want it to go um, so you're you know, you're, 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 you're throwing stuff out. You're potentially adding stuff. We'll finish that. We'll, we'll have a, a, you know, guys will have a quick bite to eat, catch up on recruiting, and then we'll get right into, right into our red zone game plan. That's the, that's the next biggest thing that comes in. We'll finish that red zone game plan. We don't have, you know, we don't, we don't change a ton in the, in the red zone week to week. Uh, you want to try to have that stuff set just, you just don't run as many plays in the red zone in college as you do in the NFL. It's a little bit, uh, you get explosive plays a little more and you score from further out in college more than you do in the NFL. So you don't have to carry quite as much in the red zone, but we get that game plan. We get that red zone game plan done. That's the one, the big one, because you got to get it done before your afternoon meetings with the players. Cause you got to get it done, get it drawn and get it ready. Cause you got to watch practice with the players Tuesday afternoon and install that red zone game plan for Wednesday morning. So Wednesday morning, you know, we, we, we get all that done. We have our meetings Wednesday night or Tuesday night, we get it scripted carded and get it ready to go. And then Tuesday we, uh, we, I'm sorry, then Wednesday, we practice uh, kind of an emphasis on third down. We hit the third down plays that we didn't rep on Tuesday morning in red zone. So then you got you got the bulk of your game plan, you know, in right there. Uh, same same process. Wednesday staff meet. We'll watch practice, uh, quick lunch, and, and, and recruiting, and then we'll get right to the the, the rest of the game plan. Uh, you know, four minute, two minute goal line short yardage a lot of that stuff for us is carry over from the normal game plan you know you're not recreating the wheel there sometimes you know because of the quarterback run stuff we'll, we may have a new a new play coming in in the goal line that we'll do but but you get those and, and a lot of goal line stuff you can it's just carrying stuff down from the red zone anyway um so so you build that out get that done wednesday afternoon same thing get it done get it get it drawn up, ready to watch practice and install with the players Wednesday afternoon um, for, for practice Thursday morning, Thursday morning for us, you know, the whole game plans in, we, we get a fast, a fast run through at it, a little bit of a shortened practice for us. We, uh, we rep the, we rep the whole game plan. We get, we get everything, everything done, cleaned up full speed. Um, same thing, get done with practice, come in, we watch it. And then, 
we, we meet with our coaches and we finalize that call sheet. We go through each section of the call sheet, you know, the, all the, all the different sections that I named and each coach on staff is responsible for, for, he kind of takes the lead in one of those sections, you know? So, so like, you know, I'll have a running back coach. He's going to help with, you know, he's going to help the O-line coach with rundown runs, second and long runs, receiver coach is going to have, you know, third downs. So those guys will, a tight end coach is going to have short yardage goal line. So those guys are going to, are going to rank the plays in their sections, you know, rank the plays in the areas that they're responsible for. And, you know, then, then once we get that ranked, we finalize that call sheet. I'm not a guy that likes to add after that, you know, once we finalize that call sheet Thursday night, um, in my meeting with the quarterbacks on Thursday, I'll have them rank it as well. They'll have a call sheet and they'll rank the plays that they like. More importantly, ranking those third down plays. I think in rundowns and first and second down, that's a lot about rhythm. How's the game going? You know, that, that's the meteor plan. But making sure those quarterbacks understand what's coming off the board on third down is really important for me. So there's no surprises there that they're able, you know, I, I, I'm – I'm going to call, unless we're seeing something completely different than we thought we were going to, I'm going to call those third downs, especially those third down passes, the way the quarterbacks ranked them, because I've been back there and I know how it feels. You know, you, you want something called that you're comfortable with and, and, and something that they're confident in. Um, so we'll get all that done. We'll finalize the call sheet Thursday night, Friday. We'll have a big walkthrough. We're a big, you know, we're a big walkthrough team as it is. You know, we get a ton of reps, a ton of plays. Um, we walk through Friday morning and then we, we either, we either travel or we uh, you know, we, we, we get into our Friday process and get up and have another walk through Saturday and play on Saturday. But that's kind of the, the process for us. Like I said, we get a ton of reps and a ton of walk through reps. I think walking through is really, really important. Um, you know, we probably get 350 reps of the game plan each week, live and walk through. And I think that's really important for us. It allows us to be multiple allows us to maybe put in some new formations and new game plan wrinkles each week because we do get so many reps at practice uh, in, in a game week. Um, that's kind of that's kind of our weekly process and how we go about it. Any 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 questions on that before we talk about your, your second question with the quarterbacks? No, coach, that's that's great stuff. All right. So your second question was, what do you show the quarterbacks? Right. Okay, this is this is interesting because so here I come from from Tampa, from the NFL, where it is all ball. I mean, there's no recruiting, you know, coaches don't have a ton to do other than football. So it you get no stone is left unturned in the NFL when it comes to, you know, everything involved with football, with the actual football X's and O's part of it. So I get to Hampton, man, and I'm just we're going we're getting ready to play our first couple opponents. And I'm breaking them. You know, I, we, we've got the breakdowns. I've got my percentages. I mean, I got this thing so down to the exact science. I practically know exactly what's coming in every down and distance situation. And I just give everything to my quarterbacks. I show them all the film. This is this. Hey, look, on third medium, they're going to call cross blitz. They're going to play man behind it. Like, I think I thought I just had it all down. But I definitely overloaded those guys early in that early in that season that's something I learned as a young coach so you you know I definitely don't show the quarterbacks everything 
and and I try to pick out early in the week, you know, the biggest thing is you're just trying to show them those things we talked about, structure of the defense. Look, they're a quarters defense. You know, they're a quarters defense. They're going to play just like they would every other quarters defense we play. They've got their three-by-one adjustments, two-by-two. Are they a match quarters team? Are they a palms quarters team? Are they going to trap everything? You know, is it is it – so you try to give them some, some highlights of the structure of the defense. Um, and then for us, it's – like we talked about, we do a lot of zone read stuff. How are the, how do they play zone read? Are they a scrape exchange team? Are they going to sit there and let you hand it off all day? You give them, give them kind of those structure things and things that are, that are important to our game plan, show them the pressures that they've got to be, that they've got to be keyed into. Uh, you're always trying to give them little tips and things to look at from a, from a coverage ID standpoint, you know, try to give them little tools in their toolbox. Hey, look, if the safety's off the hash, it's, you know, you know, it's going to be this coverage, you know, little things like that. The, the, if the nickel's outside, it's going to be three buzz, you know, little, little things like that. You're always trying to give them and show them, but I definitely don't try to overload those guys. I mean, I, cause I, cause I've done it and I've seen them and I've, you know, I, I, I paralyzed those guys a little bit with information and giving them all those printouts of percentage and all that stuff is great for coaches and building a game plan. And, and as we, as we go through that stuff's important, but no, definitely be selective in what you, in what you show those guys and what you tell those guys. Cause at the end of the day, we really don't know what they're going to do. We know what they've shown in the past, but we really don't know what they're going to do to us. So us, our offense communicating and playing fast and our quarterbacks playing fast and confident and making good decisions is the most important thing. Uh, you know, not, not showing them every little thing, every one E blitz and every one E coverage that they've run in the past. I'm so glad you shared that. Cause I think if you're a coordinator, offensive coordinator, I think we all have choked on, you know, we maybe bit off more than we can chew, and then we're trying to tell, hey, your quarterback or whatever position you're at, you're trying to give them all this information. You know, just being able to simplify it. You know, I, I guess it's, that's what I'm kind of hearing from you. You're just really trying to simplify. So it's one or two things for, for them to understand and move on. I mean, that's a great nugget. That's, I think any coordinator has got to understand that, um, you know, you give them too much and they won't know it. So thank you so much for sharing that because, <laughs> you know, you don't always hear that, you know, guys will sit there and they'll talk about how they're successful, but not necessarily what they learned from their mistakes at the beginning. So that's refreshing to hear that coach. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, no problem. Truth. All right, coach. I only have one more question, but coach Heath, do you have any other questions? Um. Yeah, I just had I had one other question. Um, how much of what you learned being in Tampa in the NFL? Because you said that, you know there's a whole lot of teaching and walking through. Uh, the NFL game has kind of gone that way, correct? As far you know, that's what really practices look like for the most part. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay. And yeah, go ahead. I'm just wondering how much of that like came down into how you handle things. Now, I mean, do you feel like you have an advantage because you've seen that structure and that works for you at the college level as well? You know, I don't know if it's an advantage, but 
But I do think, you know, walking through is important. You know, the world we live in now is everything is how do we save their legs, do less. You know, uh, I mean, everybody remembers the old days where it was two a days. And and it is and and you said it best. It's trending in the direction of of going that way. And I was telling our our we were talking to our offensive staff. We were just talking the other day and I was like, man, I wish I could take our offense and take them to like the saints facility and watch them walk through. Like, cause if you know how to walk through and our kids do a good job, but if you know how to walk through, like it's so important, you know, for, for stealing reps and, 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 you know, you're exactly right. And I tell our kids, like, if you guys know how to walk through, you know how to get reps out of these walkthroughs, we won't have to rep as much in practice, you know, because we're getting the reps we need. Like, but one thing we did with the walkthroughs that that that's been good for us is, you know, every you, you go, you do a walkthrough and why do you repeat most plays in a walkthrough? The offensive line. There's five of them. A guy messes up. You got to repeat it. So and there's so much standing around in a walkthrough. Right. Like everybody, if you're you know, everyone's standing, no one's running and everyone's standing behind and you kind of you're, you're you're trying to keep the chatter down. So one thing we do is we rep every play in a walkthrough twice. Okay. And the offensive line will run the play twice and our two skill will come in immediately for the second rep. So everybody, everybody looks to the sideline and gets the signal. The one, the one skill and the one O line walk through it. Boom. And then the O line comes right back, runs it again. And the two skill jumps in. So that's, that's been good for us kind of doubling those reps, maximizing those reps and let's just say our O-line coach who plays Mike linebacker during our walkthroughs, you know, it keeps him from saying, Hey, let me see that again. Hey, can I get that again? Like you get, you're getting every play again, regardless. So it, it, it saves time. It, it maximizes efficiency. We steal so many reps. I mean, the backup quarterback gets every rep in the, you know, from a walkthrough standpoint reps, he won't get in practice. Um, so, so it, it is important to understand how to walk through, how to stay focused, how to try to memorize the looks. Um, so any little things you can do like that. Yeah. I mean, being, you know, and a, you know, walk through in the NFL, man, is super serious. There's not a, there's not a word being spoken, you know, at times it's more focused than practice, honestly. Um, so yeah, you definitely, that's definitely what we're striving for and, and learning how to operate in that world of walking through and, and leg saving and getting the most out of those reps is, is extremely important. And, uh, yeah, I was glad I was able to, to see that, to see that firsthand. And we we're striving for that every day here. I know we're trying to wrap things up. Uh, just taking a look at, uh, your schedule coming up this fall. You got some pretty awesome uh, opportunities. Texas Southern, uh, is that the play at Jerry World? Is that my understanding? They're you know what? I think it's at the Texas Rangers new ballpark right next to Jerry World. That's still pretty sweet, Coach. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's, no. still, that's still pretty sweet. Absolutely. No, we got a great we got a great schedule. We got a great home schedule, too. You look mm-hmm. at those last four or five games – those are some big ones, big, big, big games for us. I mean, you know, they're all big, but those will be sellouts for us. There'll be 30,000 at every game at the end of that schedule. Um, there's some some rumors that college game day is going to be on our campus for one of those games. Um, yeah, we do. We got a great schedule and uh, they're tough games, but, yeah. you know, we like they're 
we tell our guys they're they're big games because we're in them. Yeah, Prairie View, uh, at home Alcorn State, uh, Florida A and M, Jackson State, and then of course the big one against Grambling. That'll be a lot of fun. I can't wait to watch uh, watch you guys. We'll be uh, we'll be rooting you, uh, you guys on and uh, hoping you have success this year. Awesome, awesome. We appreciate it, man. Well, Coach, uh, if one of our listeners wanted to get in contact with you, what would be the best way that they could contact you? Yeah, through my through my email um, or, or on Twitter, honestly. Probably Twitter is actually better than my email. At uh, ZachG13 is my Twitter. Um, just just DM me. And, uh, and, and anything that we talked about today, if you guys want, you know, I, I'll send you a call sheet. I'll send you – uh, our, our weekly calendar, anything. I mean, I'm not, it's, it's, we're all so paranoid in this thing, but if anybody wants anything that I talked about today, just, just grab me, you know, just DM me on Twitter and, and I'll get it to you guys. And, or you, I'll, I'll say my email on here. It's Zachary, uh, Z-A-C-H-A-R-Y underscore Grossi, G-R-O-S-S-I at S-U-B-R dot E-D-U. So email or on Twitter, man, just, just, just reach out and, and, and I'll, we'll do everything we can. I'd love to get you guys down here for a game and, and show you what we got to offer here in Bat- Baton Rouge, get you some of this good, good Louisiana cooking. Don't tempt me coach. I'll, I'll be down. <laughs> I'll be down there. That's uh, again, it's a different experience. And uh, you know, you talked about it earlier. It's, it's a different kind of football um, than what you see in you know, a lot of the uh, FCS. It's got so much history, you know, it's good stuff. I mean, you can watch it on TV. It's not the same, though. Uh, you know, I've never witnessed it myself, but I've heard people talk about it. And, man, the excitement that, that you hear in their voice, um, you know, it's really cool. So we wish you the best. Go Jags. That's it. Go Jags. Thank you guys so much for having me on. Really appreciate it. All right. Well, this one has been awesome. Uh, this is Coach Sheffer and Coach Heath signing off. <laughs>